is Gracie Guthrie Griffith. I am a senior economics and criminal justice double major at Clemson University in South Carolina. I am also originally from Atlanta, Georgia, where I just ran in the U.S. Olympic team trials marathon, and I finished in two hours and 43 minutes and 36 seconds. And I love running because it brings me so much joy. It allows me to get outside and enjoy the fresh air, to figure out all my problems. And also, uh, it's really helpful to to uh, try to write an outline for your essay in your mind while running. So that's another reason why I love running. So hi everyone and welcome to the Triple Knot Pod. My name is Haley and I started this podcast to create a space that unites the voices of collegiate runners through sharing the various ways that running adds meaning to our lives and also to open up conversations around the challenges that young female athletes face in the sport. So before getting into this episode, today is International Women's Day, so I just wanted to put a plug in to Girls on the Run, which is an incredible organization that I've been helping with for the past year. They have programs for girls in grades third through eighth grade, and they have a whole curriculum that uses running as a means to teach girls so much about life. Like these kids will seriously be some of the most self-aware and enlightened citizens. There are local chapters all over the United States. So if you are interested in coaching or volunteering, you can check them out and try to support them if you can. So for the seventh episode of Triple Knot, today I have Gracie Griffith calling in. She placed 95th among women in the 2020 Olympic marathon trials with a time of two hours and 43 minutes. So that's running a 615 mile pace. But one of the coolest things to me is that Gracie was the second youngest finisher for all competitors, men and women. She's 21 years old and a college student at Clemson University, yet running among the ranks of professional and sponsored athletes. So I literally know nothing else about Gracie, so I'm pumped to have her here virtually to share more of her story. So welcome, Gracie. How has life been for you in the week post-marathon? Um, it's been kind of a roller coaster. I'm not going to lie. It's a little bit difficult to kind of juggle the demands of running and then recovering from the Olympic marathon trials and then still being a full-time student with a lot going on at Clemson. So I'm actually from Atlanta, Georgia, and the marathon trials were in Atlanta, which was great because I was able to come home and stay in my own house and like sleep in my own bed before and after the race. I'd also like to add, I had the flu four days before the race. I came down with the flu. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I still had the flu, um, but also just having to deal with some problems with my foot after the mm-hmm. race, like, I, the, um, kind of create a level playing field, and I think to, like, avoid some controversy, Nike gave the new alpha flop to every mm-hmm. company for free who wanted them, so I already said Nike, so I, I was like hopping right not bandwagon um i wore them in the race for the first time ever and normally it's not a problem but i was a pair that was way too small but after the 
been suffering. So I've got kind of like missing toenails, stirs, I've infections. So I'm really having a rough time on my feet. So I think I need to get myself healthy in terms of the, the feet and back on a better schedule because I'm a little all over the place. So yeah, so that's where I am. Yeah. Great. Well, first of all, that's incredible that you're from Atlanta and that your whole family and friends got to come down and experience that with you. That's so awesome. It was great that my parents actually, they put on a party on the, the rinse course. Mm-hmm. They like rinse out a um, space and um, it was at a point where the courses, it was three loops, but some of the had like turnaround points. So on the part that my family were, you could see one or six times. Oh, wow. Without moving, which is like, I mean, very rare for any marathon. Yeah. Like, like no marathon I've ever run um, before. And so that was super helpful. Like when times were getting a little bit mm. tough and it was incredibly windy that day, which was very strange for Atlanta because Atlanta's normally not windy, but it was like Chicago out there. And so um, <laughs> knowing that like, Whenever you were getting like a little bit tired and like, oh, maybe it'd be nice to slow down right about now. You're like, no, okay, I'm coming up to see people. So that gave you a lot of, or gave me a lot of, I guess, mental fortitude. The other thing is like, I had no idea. I wasn't looking at my watch the entire race at all. And normally I always look, but I had no idea. Then of course the clock materializes out of seeing people at the end to see the finish time. And it was like news to me. Like I was like, oh, 2.43, well, that's you know PR and this is good news so when my parents come rushing over to me once I've come across the line you're 95th I was flabbergasted I had no idea I knew going in I was fairly confident that I was gonna that I was under ranked because mm. in the Chicago Marathon which is marathon I qualified oh, nice. for in and I qualified in October this past October 2019 oh. Um, in 244.52. So I qualified by only eight seconds. And I, for that reason, was ranked 500 going into this race. The other thing in Chicago, well, I only had six weeks to prepare for that race because I had a stress fracture all summer. Oh, wow. So I stress fracture for two months to six weeks to the qualifying for the trials, which involved me running seven minutes faster in a marathon that I had ever done before. Oh my God. So my training was so much better than it's ever been in the break between Chicago and this race. Mm. I knew that I was in much better shape than like the, the qualifying time would suggest. Um, so and you- also the thing is, again, I feel like I, you know, you know so I ran 44, 52 in Chicago and then two 43, 36. So, and it was a much chillier course and a lot windier than Chicago. So it's like, you know, the course was running a couple minutes slow. Um, so, you know, be that as, as it may, to 244 to 243 is not a huge jump, mm. right? As you mm. would think to go from 500 to 95th. Mm. So I think what happened was actually what happened when I was a senior in high school and placed third in the Georgia cross-country meet running like the same and then having all the other girls around me run like three minutes slower in a 5k than they normally did and and like I had no finishing third in that meet is because when adverse strikes so for this it was the wind and the hills and then in the cross country in high school for the state it was a really rainy and muddy day was that I think 
it's they they psychologically beat themselves before mm. they won the race mm. even like oh this heard this race everyone wants to talk about the course is so hilly it's so windy up there and of course a lot of these women knew each other which was really they're all on these teams like these athletic clubs like the new york athletic club the boston athletic club bowls are out so they all come in packs and they all have the same splits on and there's me i'm just in all black with nothing on because i don't belong to a team and i don't know anybody <laughs> i know a person zero and so they're all you know talking and stuff you know and you get you hear like so much about like I qualified for the trials because I saw everyone on social media doing it and I knew I would not lifted myself up and you know there's very much that rhetoric surrounding the trials but I'll say if you don't follow an, in, a single runner on social media which is me I don't follow a single person well then there's no there's not much of a community mm-hmm. of saying oh she did do it I nobody I know doesn't you know like not a, one single person I know qualified for the trials but even was like considering qualifying for the trials so it, like in that way it was very different. and then it's like well we you know all these women they train together mm. oh well, pushing for it i'm pushing for it let's i didn't you know i'm out there by myself so i think they so to me that works but for some women the community some i'm i'm you know i'm not disputing that i think that's very true all for it but I think when one person then comes to Atlanta and they all come in a pack and then starts going, oh, it's looking windy and hilly out there. Mm. And they say to the friend that's staying in the Omni next door, and then they look out of their window, I think it's reinforcing the idea, oh, it's, oh, well, she says it's hard. And then in the race, if you're all going to, okay, let's go out together. And then she starts slowing down. Well, then you think, well, we always run together and we have the same PR mm. and we call for it. Oh, I'll slow down. And you just see that and you just start, so you naturally start doing what the people around you do. Mm. And that's been me. I never, I do the opposite of what people around me do usually, sometimes to my detriment. I'm not going to lie. It's not always smooth sailing in that department. But I think a lot of times that's why I've always done well in races in adverse conditions. I always outperform people. And a lot of times I don't do I just show up and, and run well, but nothing crazy. Like, I don't do much, you know, I ran 2.43, okay, that I was should have run that on the course, I think. So it wasn't like I had a fantastic day and, like, ran way faster than ever expected. No, I should have run about that on the course, I would say. But everybody else did a lot worse. And that's exactly what happened to me in high school with this state meet that I keep bringing up. But the same thing happened. And so I think it's for that reason that I, I you don't think about it. You know that you're going to have to run the race. So what if it's silly and windy? You're still going to run in the race. So what's the point of wasting even thinking about mm-hmm. that? That's talking about that. And then, because then, of course, you do use that to rationalize why you're slowing down mm-hmm. or why you have a good race. So I think that's why I did so well. Mm-hmm. I think I didn't outperform what was expected and I just think it's because of the conditions but also because a lot of times so many people focus on making their body as as possible and you don't focus on the psychological training Mm. which I you know marathon is actually almost as important as being physically fit like what's the case but also of course it's difficult to really articulate that to people 
So how do you how do you craft your training and racing plans? Are you supported by a coach or a training group or anything? How does that work for you? No. That's hard. No. Um, I, I did not have a coach. I did not have a training group. I did not run with anybody ever. And then, no, I don't have a coach. I don't – and now I, I know a lot of people have, like, remote coach. I know that basically every person in that race had some kind of coach – or training group mm-hmm. other than me. I think it was like, I think you're going to find like one or two people maybe who, who go it along, but I bet they're a little bit more experienced than I am because I just have kind of figured this marathon thing out on my own. I've never really had any, um, and I think, you know, it's working so far. So like, how do you want to change it? Um, the thing that I've always thought about it is that I'm having a lot of success and I get a lot of joy with running this kind of unorthodox training style. So if I hired a coach, I think because it's quite unorthodox that the coach would change something. Mm-hmm. But I really like what I'm doing and I'm getting better at a quite pretty rapid rate, I would say. So I don't want them to change anything. But if I hired them and I'm paying them, then I would expect them to do something which would be to change something. So therefore, I'm like a crossroad where it's like, if you're not changing anything, why am I paying you? But if I hired, then I would expect you to change something because I'm sure this is not the most efficient marathon plan in the history of the world. You know, I'm sure I haven't found the secret. So like, therefore, I think, you know, unless I really stagnated or went through like a ton of injuries, like back to back or something, that something drastic happened that I would hire, but just don't see that mm. as something that's right in my internet future at least. Because also like for me, I got, to, you know, my main focus is school. Mm-hmm. Like it's not running, even though a lot of times it seems like it is. And I do, I will be graduating from this in the spring. So I'm wrapping things up with that and I'll be attending law school in the fall. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And I don't know which law school it's going to be yet, but I've been accepted to every law school I've applied to, and I've gotten a scholarship to almost everyone as well. So that makes my options really open. So I don't know what state or part of the country I'm going to really be in yet. So that also on the coaching front is different. And then I think in law school, even more so, you need to be focused on the studies and then running as much as you can kind of in between but I think it's going to be would be kind of stressful if you had like oh this is my plan in front of me and like I need to do this and thinking but also I'm getting sleep because I'm doing law and like be tough so and I don't like to and then you of course have to always like answer to the coach like well this is why I didn't do the workout or this is why I didn't run those speeds and this mileage that you told me to run Versus if it's me, I don't need accountability. I'm mm-hmm. not so I run every day and I get in a hundred miles a week and it happens mm-hmm. always. Well, ninety miles I'm not gearing up to the marathon. But like, you know, I get in a lot of miles. I don't run less than twelve miles really any day ever. So I get in it happens. So I don't need some so if I so if I need to run slower because I'm tired, I'm gonna do that. And I don't need someone telling me like I need you should have hit this. Why well, didn't have to explain? It's happening sometimes. You, and you're the one that knows your body. I feel like if you run, if you're out of your 
eat that much, you tend to know when you, you can figure it out. Okay, it's time to slow down. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just run 12 today. Let's not do the 16 that we thought was going to happen. So with that, I think it's, and I think that can like also prevent injury, but also I've been injured a fair amount, but can prevent burnout, which I think is actually in a way more insidious because that's mm-hmm. something that's going to take, at least when you get injured, okay, you got injured. Let's diagnose why you got injured. Okay. Cause there was a spike in mileage that wasn't smart. Let's recover. But if you are burned out, that's like a psychological thing again, mm-hmm. that you're going to have to recover from. And that's a lot harder to find the root of the, the cause and, to find it a, um, a remedy for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess stop running, but that doesn't sound so good to me. So got to avoid that at all costs. And then for me, I run 12, basically every, during the work week, the school week, I run 12 miles a day, relatively easy pace, usually between, usually in the eights, sometimes in the high sevens, nothing crazy. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a little high for the average person, but the pace is not, anything too difficult at mm-hmm. all I would say and then I um do long runs both Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. um and what I did for the first time with this uh and I would I call a long run anything over 16 miles 16 and up so what I did for this marathon block which I'd never done in the past is I used one of the days to do to include a workout in the long run, mm. the long run, um, which is something I had never done. I didn't really do any workouts before this marathon cycle, actually, at all. I just raced a bunch and counted that as the workouts, but I don't race very often anymore because of I'm a lot better than I used to be. When you start to like be kind of, I think, at this level, then been invited two days ago to be in the elite women's field for Boston, which is 65. Then it's like, okay, this is when you start just literally running a couple races a year because you're gearing up for them over such a long period of time so that when they do occur, you can give like 100% of your effort. Mm -hmm. So I've, that's changed. So because of that, not racing very often because I'm really focused on the marathon now and doing kind of pretty high level racing in the marathon, I started I okay I need to incorporate these workouts as well as also like I just need to get the foot speed because I don't want to show up to the trials and have a disaster which didn't happen it's because of the workout so I would do up to 20 miles in between 16 and 20 miles um and do a lot of longer so like 800 meters to like four miles Mm -hmm. Interval, I don't do tempo. That's something I probably will maybe attempt in the future, but it's never looked very appetizing or appealing, I guess. not. It's not food. Maybe I'm getting hungry, <laughs> so I say appetizing. But, um, yeah, so I would do, and I would do them almost exclusively on the treadmill mm-hmm. because Clemson at this time of year, it's always raining at some point. I don't know what it is. Is it Seattle? I don't know. Like, I'm beyond the treadmill, but Clemson bought new treadmills this year, and they have these shock absorbers that look like honeycombs that you can actually see. And so it's, like, so nice on your legs. Like, it really is, like, cushiony. So you can do these hard workouts at marathon pace. So I was doing everything at 6 
618 or lower for intervals. Mm-hmm. So 618, and then I go a little bit lower for some of the shorter intervals. Um, but I was able to do all of this in the training, so like still have my legs be okay, and to do them where when I would warm up like two miles and like cool down like a mile and a half, and then have all the intervals in between, and then I would have my recovery intervals always be at eight flat, and I would do that for 20 miles. So that was I think really good. It was like. I think it's better for you to do the speed work over a longer run because the race is long. And then I would then have another long run the day after. It's like you're running on tired legs and you're still doing that long run. So like the weekend is where you're getting in those really important workouts and long runs. And then the week is just about like getting the mileage in, but also like I'm a student. I mean, that's really my focus. And then the weekend is more like my focus is being on a runner Mm. and like being fast and went after it so i think and that worked really well i was pretty uh well rested because of the regimen as well because i didn't overtax myself during the week just kept it easy um and clemson is quite hilly so like those recovery runs they're not really recovery runs they're just kind of just daily runs they take you know, you're up and down you're getting the workouts in terms of the, the hills as well so to be honest i think it's pretty um manageable i don't run twice a day or anything like that um i attempted that over the summer and got a stress fracture so i mm-hmm. x that forever in eternity or at least for several years because that obviously wasn't for me and i don't do much i don't do really much cross training i should i recommend cross training to all but i'll tell you what happens when i get a stress fracture i cross train a ton so i stay in shape i mean I cross-trained enough so I was able to run in six weeks a qualifying time for the Olympic marathon for the first time, so or Olympic trials. So I am a cross-training queen, but I cross-trained so much that when I'm injured, that when I come back from injury, the idea of cross-training is just so awful to me that I like cannot even consider it until, of course, then I get injured in like another year, and then I'm like, oh, I should have cross-trained so I could have prevented it, but I didn't. So... I know it's good for me. Again, a coach would probably tell me this. And then would I listen? Would I be fighting? I was like, am I good with authority? Or I'm really anti authority? So it's like, I don't know. Maybe it would make me want to cross train less if I had the coach. So there you have it. So how did you get started with marathon racing at such a young age? And did you ever consider running in college? It sounds like you ran in high school. Okay, this is what happened. Uh... Do dual answers. So I came out of high school and one college asked me to run for them. And it's a tiny little college right outside of Atlanta was not on my radar or even considered it. And I wasn't fast enough. I ran, I broke 21 minutes one time in the 5k. Wow. High school. Now I run the marathon and I'm, I run 18 minutes in the 5K in the marathon yeah, over and over again, right? Crazy. So it's a lot has changed in a short amount of time. But in high school, I was still kind of the bee's knees because doing that, I placed third in the state and I was far better than anyone else on my cross-country team because my cross-country team in high school was not a parallel, a powerhouse to say the least. So um, though it was a great community and the coach – was the only coach I've ever had for running, actually, but also was just fantastic. And it's fantastic, and he was out there on the 
trials course with the team and I got to see them and that was wonderful. Um, all that. So competitive soccer in high school, I'd like to put that there because that's where I started running. Like I started cross country my sophomore year in high school, but like I played very competitive soccer. I was on the Olympic development development team for Georgia for soccer. I recruited some to decent number of schools for soccer. So I was yeah, I started running a sophomore in high school, but no, I didn't started running cross country. Mm. But I ran a lot for soccer, for conditioning, all kinds of yeah. So just background so I got to Clemson and it was like not even a consideration. I was just at Clemson on a academic scholarship. Um, and I'm a double major, double minor at Clemson. So I don't play around. I got a lot going on with that. And I went to Clemson because of academic scholarship. Otherwise you would not find me in Pickens County in the middle of nowhere. And I will never, after graduation, I will never be back in Pickens County either. <laughs> not that I, but I love Clemson now. I've grown to love it. But let me tell you, it's not like, Tigers for life. I mean, like, okay, the orange and the purple. Oh, man. So, like, it's, like, enough. So, I got, yeah. So, but I, I just, like, I really liked the long distance. I did my first half marathon, big Thanksgiving half marathon that takes place um, in Atlanta. I did it in high school, right after my cross-country season ended. Cross-country ends in the beginning of November. I just fell in love with it. I, this is what I want to do. The roads, the longer distance. I always liked the longer distance for cross country anyway. Like I was the one who was trying to get extra mileage in, but like at a conversational pace. Mm. But it, that's what I like to do. Like I hated the intervals. Like I was like, oh my, which is I think why I didn't do intervals for so long until literally this marathon build up. So I was like, well, this is what I want to do. So I just kept doing the half 10Ks, uh, 15Ks of which there are not many, 10 milers, stuff like that. Um, as a freshman, and then I had a really bad stress fracture, and then I came back and got better, and blah, 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 and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do the Georgia Marathon. I want to do it. It was in Atlanta, but it was called the Georgia Marathon. Now it's the Atlanta Marathon, but it was the Georgia Marathon at the time, and it comes right outside my house, mm. literally down outside my house. So I the... They also have a half marathon. I had done the half marathon for two years before that. As a seat in the spring of my senior year and in the spring of my freshman year. So I said, okay, this year, my sophomore year, I'm going to do the full marathon. Because the half marathon doesn't go past my house. The full marathon. So I was like, okay, it. Well, it was really hilly. So it's like not probably the best choice for the person who's never done a marathon before. But I far exceed my expectations i ran 317 i want to say uh placed fifth female and just had a blast like ran like a negative split ran way like had just so easy my dad came out of the bike for two miles outside my house and just went down the street with me for a couple months like it was just a joy and also there was it was just i just loved it i had the experience i ran and for that my only went up to 16 miles but I went to 16 like several weeks like just basically ran like 16 mile long once a week like over and over again and that was like my big marathon plan no speed work nothing like that and probably like 10 miles a day at that point back in those days so maybe running like 75 to 80 miles a week back then to get to that so I qualified for both didn't quite I was like oh 
well, this is obviously the thing to do for me because this was so fun and I was better at this starting out than I think anything else. So, okay. Then I went that summer to visit my aunt on Martha's Vineyard, who I always visit and go there always to see her. And they had the Martha's Marathon. I found out 36 hours in advance. There's a Martha's Vineyard Marathon. Oh, what fun. Let me do it. So I do it. And I ran 309. So I said, well, also it's like pancake flat because you're on the, the yeah. island on the beach. But I was like, well, I'm better. Hadn't done anything to prepare. You know, fabulous. Because I had, I had stopped at that point doing any 16 milers for like the month. Like I, because when I started, you know, getting ready for that marathon, like 16 miler was like, whoa, I'm going for a 16 miler. Like, let me, you know, now the 16 miler is like non-issue. But at the time it was me, so I was like, well, I you know, hadn't really prepared and it was better, so okay. And then I was like, oh, Boston, definitely, because we got better. So then I, I didn't do anything in the fall in terms of marathon. I focused on the half marathon. Oh, I had a stress fracture in my sacrum That's at the end of that summer. Oof. That was not pleasant. It took a long time to heal because you don't get a lot of blood flow in your sacrum. So the sacrum stress fracture, I had it for like – two months where it was like I was un- unable to run and I was like on the bike and on the pool in the pool uh, like a stationary bike and in the pool and then I um came back and ran like half marathons 10 miles in the fall but I was like back to the same speed or slower than I was the year before whereas like all of the like I'm getting faster like every year in like a pretty continuous progression but it was like I was kind of I taken a real it was real regression so I was like that didn't do so well so I was like okay I finally started feeling better in January and got myself where I was like actually better than I started on so I was like okay I'm finally like gotten back to where I was and now I'm getting better so I was like okay so now it's time to get ready for Boston, which was, like, such a big deal because it was, like, going to be my first marathon, like, somewhere we were all going to go. My aunt was going to go as well because she's, like, a big part of this family. It's really, like, my parents and my aunt. It's, like, a dynamic trio of them. So that we all go Boston. Well, I do so much better in Boston than I ever expected. I ran, like, 2.59. And so I broke three hours, and so that was 6.31 pace, something like that. So I was like, wow, this is, no, I'm telling you a lie. Well, yes, I'm not telling you a lie about the Boston, but I forgot. I ran the Atlanta Marathon again in March, three weeks before Boston. So I ran the Atlanta Marathon, and I passed the leader at mile 14 and, and gapped her, like, really quickly once I passed her. And so I had the pace bike with me basically, like, half the race. And, and won that easily. And I ran 259. I said Boston wrong. I realize now. I ran 259, Atlanta. Big deal. Okay. Obviously, now there's great, serious things. And the Atlanta Marathon, it's not like a major marathon, but it's not a small marathon either. So it, it, I guess mid major marathon, you could say. So, so, okay. Boston, three weeks. People like, wow run Boston three weeks. Well, I was like, why not? It's, I don't think it's a problem. It wasn't a problem. Go to Boston, exciting big city. Not that I'm like a small town girl. I've been to many big cities, but I never been like 
for an event like anything like this or even in sport i guess so um but okay so then i get to boston and i ran 251 not 251 which is 630 pace and i still never occurred to me even i didn't even know about the trials time the 245 i didn't know anything like that it was an aim you know it was like 251 never gonna run fast for my and then i had pressure over the summer but this time for the first time ever which allowed me to run chicago fast in only six weeks was the ultra gravity treadmill that i was able to use all at my local uh sports medicine sports chiropractic uh forever indebted to them they let me come in there every day during the work week and use it for as long as i wanted which was me running three hours on it a day because you've got to run the ultra gravity treadmill easier because it's less present of body weight Mm -hmm. it's like this treadmill fills with air it was developed by nasa to help the astronauts like assimilate to zero gravity so it fills you up and so i started with 40 percent body weight which is low as it goes and brought it up my full body weight by the time i was healed um and let me be and you're running so it's a lot closer running than anything like a stationary bike or swimming which allowed me to keep a lot more fitness than i had been able to keep with previous stress fractures most notably the sacrum from summer before took me so long to come back from in terms of healing but also fitness wise it took me like half a year to get back to where i was before it so this i was like basically started like as good left the with the injury so it was like i was like without the i never would have qualified i probably wouldn't have attempted the marathon to be honest well i probably would have knowing me but i wouldn't have attempted to qualify in the marathon i would have just run the marathon um and yeah so i ran to chicago and, and i then for some reason i don't know what possessed me to like go for the goal even with the stress fracture but i think when i came back and i was running so well so quickly after it like because of ultra gravity i'm just gonna go for it like i can do it i don't know if i just i didn't voice it to anybody i didn't talk to anybody anybody about it my parents no i don't think that knew the 245 time until after i made it and told them about it to be honest so like i just i can do like let i just just know i can do it and and i think i got the injury and was like still like no i can do it and i think it allowed me to like get through the injury and like remain positive in like dark because i said out of my hand we're going to chicago got the tickets we're going and so i was like bam i'm gonna qualify at chicago here i go the whole race i was just like i'm gonna do it like I, and it was like i never never even entered my consciousness that i was not gonna do even though looking back now and like every indicator would be obviously that i wasn't gonna qualify and then i started getting slower and slower it was I, I missed all the fuel station i was still like no i'm gonna make it i'm just gonna yeah i'm getting a little slower but i have i have the time i have the cushion. okay oh that was even slower but i still have the cushion okay that was even slower, but i'm still gonna make it and i made it and i so i never i never allowed the idea that i wasn't going to make it at chicago like for my mind and i think if i had i definitely would have not made it because i was i was really i was like seemed yeah i only slowed down to like 6 36 by the end i think but like it seemed like i slowed down a lot more like in my how i my feeling and i was like 
no, I'm going to do it. You're like, oh, well, I can try again. But if I start, you start considering that, that allow that gives you an out. That allows you to slow down. It's like, no, this is it. And if you know that it's like your only shot to do, I think there's a lot more like, okay, let's do this. Because I think there are just enough for people, I feel like, who I heard a lot of stories about people qualifying for the trials and it took them so many times. They tried so many times. They just kept coming up short. They were just over the standard. Like, that was a very common story. And I think it's because they they were all, I mean, I can't speak to how their marathon experience, but I think it didn't help that there's so many races it can qualify at that it's like, okay, I didn't get it this time. Okay, next time. And now you're in that, we'll do it next time. And it's like, if you kind of just like going for it, that I think can sometimes work in your favor. I mean, for some people it could cause a lot of pressure and it wouldn't work for them at all. But for me, it really helped to know, it was like to basically frame it as like, this is the only chance. And then, and oh, the other, asking about, so I became fast enough, I saw my senior year, before my senior year, I was like, okay, I'm definitely fast enough to run at Clemson. Mm. So the idea of going in my senior year was to run the cross-country team. Mm-hmm. So over the summer, I, last summer, before the stress fracture, which I got at the, kind of, nor the middle of the summer, the beginning of the summer. I was contacted by their cross-country coach. You want to run at Clemson? Yes. You're a senior. It's a little bit unorthodox. It's going to be a little different, but let's do it. Okay. That coach, then, I never heard of them for several weeks. I'm thinking, this is strange. I'm just going to continue running how I normally run. That coach um, retired. Not retired. Left. Went somewhere else as an assistant coach. So I said, okay, well, let's wait and hear from the new coach because there was like a gap where there was no coach. Mm. So wait, this new, this new coach is a woman. Basically, but someone who hasn't been coached in a long time has a very unorthodox training plan, I would say. Runs marathons as a relatively young person. So not this like 6K that they run for women in in cross country, but is running the marathon pace, like at the pace that these people are running the 6K or like close to it is like obviously able to help this. Team. Like I probably should have tried to join like my junior year, but it never occurred to me. Like, cause I had basically gone from like never being even like considering myself fast enough and wasn't as like a freshman or, you know, any, like had no business being on division one cross country team really at like in, in the ACC at least like Clemson to being like someone who like, know that I could the team and, like be a top scorer for them. So it was like a huge way. like I had all this, in my mind, I had a lot of leverage. This coach, though, wants to be, the coach wasn't like the old coach. She comes in and wants to be like, okay, kind of like starting from ground zero. Like we're building this program now. We're, things are changing. Times are changing. Let's go. And it was like, you're going to run low mileage, but fast. So it was like, what I didn't want to hear. I had the stress structure still. I wasn't healed. So I was not able to run. She didn't know who I was. She had known that I had talked to the coach. She was like, who is the senior? Has ever been on the team? What is going mm-hmm. on? It was a mess. At the beginning of the semester, healing from the stress fracture. Like, so I start running grass to do that. So it was like, I was able to run on grass slowly. Like I'm talking like 10, 11 minute miles on the grass, but you know, I gotta run higher miles. Like, what don't you understand about this? And they're thinking, no, you gotta run fast. Like, how can I run fast? I have a stress fracture. Like, I gotta start slow, but I can go longer. 
it was back and and then I then I thinking well you know what they don't know can't hurt them so let me just run on this grass for like two hours but just not tell them when they're telling get the mileage back before we can get the speed back they want to do it opposite so run walk get it back this the speed will come but it's just we're coming at it from different places the coach calls me in to our office less than 24 hours before the first workout so this is going to be a big day not only am i going to meet the really meet the team for the first time so i was like very excited so i was going to do all of that at, at once like do this workout and be with them and okay she calls me in gracie i'm sorry but let's cut this before it even begins this isn't gonna work because we have two we're coming at it from two different philosophies and i that you have trust issues with authority which i'm not gonna lie is true well i'll tell you what was my foolishness it was really i was foolish i had i love strava anybody out there follows anybody on strava uses strava i'm on strava pup gracie griffith follow me love it love not gonna um hate on anybody who sends me anything but unless you're with some old man, sometimes a creepy old man, great run, great. So I'm like, who is this? So if you're a creepy old man, maybe don't message. But if you're a normal person, all good. But I had put out on the, like, how much mileage of course I was running on the grass. Because all my friends, Clemson, are, these are like the people who came down to see me at the trials. Like, they're all people on the running team, like, are running club. They're like non-competitive runners. I don't run with them. I'm more competitive than they are. But we're friends socially. So I, we see each other on Strava, we talk on campus, you know, it's like, they're my friends. So I want to put it on Strava, um, even though we, so it's like we bond over running, even though we don't run together and we're not kind of in the same realm of running really at all. But yeah, so um, I have it on Strava. Well, it never occurred to any who's going to look at Strava other than my friends that, you know, run a couple miles here, there and everywhere. This coach, Kai, come in her office. She's got my Strava profile held up to me like this. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. Like, <laughs> I said to you, don't put things on social media that you don't want your employers to, like, find. It never occurred to me Strava was going to be the – I am the – with nothing controversial on any social media platform. But Strava was the thing that screwed me over because I had all this mileage on the graph. I mean, it showed me –
trials at Chicago. And that's what put everything I had into those mm. six weeks. Which, when I say everything I had, that still meant, like, nine-minute miles, to be honest. But it was, like, my focus. Like, I, every night, visualizing it. I was, like, really... I don't normally do stuff like that, but I was very locked in, like, every night. I was, like, thinking about the... Two-three by two. I mean, I was, like, every night, thinking, visualizing. So I think that helped, like, at the end of the race when it was getting tough. Like, knowing that, no, you thought about this for so long. Like, you cannot not make it. So I will just be continuing the marathon, and that's why I'm... My focus is now this elite women's field at Boston and the London Marathon. Now it looks like I'm doing two marathons in six days which the reason i'm also hedging my bets they're really close together but I, we we're feeling like is london going to be happening because of the coronavirus mm, yeah. yeah okay so it's like it's not so good if london's canceled and then you're without a major marathon in the spring because that's not so good um so that's why so and then maybe boston be canceled. i don't know so that's why now we've kind of booking both which, yeah. But it's also, I'd like to say that after the, this um, trials, definitely the best I felt after any marathon ever. Like, I, the fact that I read, ran, read, ran 103.7, I think, miles this week wouldn't, that's like basically like as far as I go. Like 105 is like a peak anyway. So it's like, I, that's, an illustration of the fact that I felt basically no different after the marathon than I feel after these days, which is really rare. Because normally I'm, I run after the marathon, but I'm quite sore and I'm kind of hobbling around. So that also gave me hope to then try to do this double trouble situation that I would, that I've just, uh, I just heard about Boston two days ago and just decided to do both two days ago, and I would not, I would not have thought to do that before this Olympic mm-hmm. marathon trials took place. And I felt good, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, totally. well, thank you so much, Gracie, for telling all these stories about your marathoning, and oh, I'm. No. Thank you so much. I feel like I've just been a chatterbox. My mouth is dry. I hope your ears are okay. No, it's totally fine. Okay. And I'm planning on going to watch Boston this year, so maybe I'll see you. And if I do, I'll for sure cheer. Yes, yes. What do you like people to say when you when you're out on the course running? Just like go, Gracie. I don't know. No, they, I'll be in all black. I always wear all black. That look like an insect. I always look like a praying mantis. <laughs> So I will, if you see someone coming down the road looking like an ant or a bug or some kind of, yeah, insect, it's me. With also strawberry blonde hair. So it's all, it's like very, you'll, no, you'll see me. You will, it's like I'm hard to miss. Except for, apparently my parents always miss me. It's, <laughs> I, you, the average person should be able to recognize me, I feel like. If I can't yeah. find you, I'll at least look out for the massive heads. <laughs> Yes, I think the heads are too big to travel, though. The, 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 the banner will be at Boston as well, I think. But yeah. My final question for you as a runner is if you can leave one piece of advice that you would tell to a younger version of yourself, what would that be? And then one message that you would want to leave to a future version of yourself. I think they're somewhat similar. The message I would give my younger self would be to like trust yourself know that yeah what you're doing 
it might be a little unorthodox. Yeah, you're going to have people that tell you, oh, you can't do this. You should do this a certain way, yada, yada, yada. But no, like, no, it's okay to look at your own body, to to to, to look internally and, and to not compare yourself all the time to what other people are doing and that know that you are going to come along as a runner, as a person, as a student, just fine. You don't need to do it any other way but the way that works for you. Um, and then I think for future self it would just be to like to keep persevering to keep plugging at it because it's so fun to be able to do these big races like the olympic trials marathon like being in the elite women's tour for boston winning the atlanta marathon things like that um placing fourth in the in the ajc peachtree road race this summer before i got my stress factor so big things like that you know a lot of days those are the highlights of, of running, right? Most of the time, it's you're out in the wind and the rain and the cold on the treadmill, plugging away, kind of in obscurity up in South Carolina, just getting those miles in before class, a little tired, a little bit like, I don't want to do this so much. And and just to know that, like, no, you got this, all worth it in the end, to keep plugging away at it, these big victories don't happen from any single day but, or any workout, but from the multitude of the miles and from the fact that, like, each day you go at it, even the days that, that you don't really want to, which may be more or less uh, common depending on the time of year, what's going on in your life. But know that, like, just keep the level head and just kind of go at those regardless of what else is happening and that good things will follow. Yeah, so that's my advice. This episode was recorded on March 8th, and things have just gotten increasingly wild with the outbreak of the coronavirus. I, like many, unexpectedly completed my last week of college. The NCAA championships and whole seasons have been canceled. The Boston and London marathons moved to the fall. And just a lot of uncertainty and heartbreak around some major life changes for all of us. I am still processing everything and would definitely like to do an episode on it um, with other collegiate runners. So more to come and I'm here for stories. You can reach out to me at triplenotpod at gmail.com. So anyways, now is the time for solidarity and empathy. And while it's not the same capacity, running still persists. And so does the opportunity to rest, create, and focus on little things like incorporating yoga or mindfulness practices into our routines, team Zoom calls, quarantine means lots of time to listen to podcasts, so all good things. It's also important to find ways to help and support our communities because the disparities in the healthcare system and access to food, shelter, technology, etc. are only going to grow greater during this time of crisis. So finally, thank you to anyone at the front lines of tackling the virus and thank you to Gracie and thank you to everyone for listening. Take care and goodbye for now.